Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, a resource created by Lighthouse Family Retreat to strengthen families living through childhood cancer. You'll hear stories from families, educational information on childhood cancer, and most importantly, we will be there to encourage your family during your journey. Hey, we're back and we're less than two weeks away from our spring break retreats, which I cannot believe retreat season is almost here. I know, Christy. It's kind of crazy, right? 2022 just feels like it's flying by to be already back doing spring break. But I'm cool with it if it means we're going to have toes in the sand. It feels like a a Zach Brown song. It is a Zach Brown song. As we get ready for that, we do need to mention and remind you that we've got our Amazon wish list that is ready to go for retreat season. So if you, maybe someone you know, is looking for a tangible way that they can help support families that are living through childhood cancer and Lighthouse, this is a great way to give. All the items on the list are going to go to help make our retreats super special for the families that are coming in 2022. And even better, if you set Lighthouse Family Retreat as your charity of choice on Amazon Smile, then when you buy items off our wish list, we also get a portion of that purchase price back from Amazon as a donation. It's a double, it's, it's a a double, double the win. donation. It's, it's a, a double, double win. win. Um, speaking of our upcoming retreats, which is my favorite topic, mm-hmm. um, it's fitting today to share this conversation with Kaylee and Jason because they're actually coming back to Lighthouse and they're gonna be on one of our spring break retreats. I did hear such amazing things from their common ground leaders last year about just kind of their wisdom and their faith and how encouraging they were to the others in the group. Yeah, these two are, they're really special. So let me tell you just a little bit before we jump into the conversation. Uh, So they're from Utah, where Jason's a physical therapist and Kaylee's a wellness coach, and they've got three beautiful children, Oakley, Zoe, and Beckham. And Zoe was diagnosed with T-cell lymphoblastic lymphoma, and thankfully, she's finished with two and a half years of chemo and is now in remission. It's always just great to be able to share that news. Um, So hey, you guys are going to enjoy listening uh, from this couple and just hearing how they feel. They were really able to grow and learn from their experience, even as hard as it was. So let's listen in on the conversation. So, hey guys, let's start kind of at the beginning. Tell us like about Zoe and how did things get started with her? How did you know something was wrong? So back in, this was December of 2018, it would have been. Um, In December, our family had been kind of passing sicknesses around, just kind of colds, the typical, you know, winter cold stuff. And so we didn't think much of it, but we remember one day sitting in the kitchen and like looking at her and we're like, she does not look good. Like she had like red, like red stuff around her eyes. And like, she just looked tired and just it's sick. You know, when someone looks sick, like she just looks sick and we're like, that's weird. But we didn't think a lot of it because of the fact that like we all were kind of sick, just like sicker than the rest of us. And so we didn't really do anything at that time. Um, but then a couple weeks later, as we entered January, um, she spiked a really high fever. And even when we give her medicine to try to take the fever down, it would only lower it by like a degree or two, right? Well, that's weird. It doesn't seem normal to only decrease a little bit. Um, so we decided to take her into the doctor and they did a bunch of scans and it was mostly just like swabs, I guess, not really scans, but swabs. And um they came back and like well there's nothing really coming up so it's probably a viral thing so go ahead and just wait this out so we waited a few days and the fever all of a sudden broke and we're like okay well maybe that's all it was but then like three days later the fever was right back and it was all of a sudden we're right back in this high high fever not feeling good um so again we start going to the doctor thankfully this time we had a family doctor um that actually came to my parents house to like look at her and 
um, that morning before he came to look at her, I was bathing her in the, in the tub and I was washing her hair out. And as I'm scrubbing her head, she's like, dad, that hurts. I'm like, that hurts. So I heard and said, like, what was hurting? She's like, my neck was hurting. So I look at her neck and all of a sudden there was a big lump on the side of her neck. So I screamed down to Kaylee and I said, Hey honey, like, I don't know what's going on, but Zoe has a generous lump on her neck. So she starts texting her pediatrician and, um, they're like, is it movable? And is it red? And you're asking all these questions. And at that time it was, it was still movable, which typically they're a little less concerned when it's movable. So we weren't overly concerned. Um, went up and saw the family friend that evening, same thing. He was kind of moving it around. He's like, yeah, it's moving around. And she's running around the house, like just a normal kid. So he's, he's thinking it's nothing major. He's like, well, just keep me updated over the week. And so Kaylee was actually texting back and forth, like basically every day, Hey, this is what's going on today. This is how we're doing. Um, and that went on for the next few days. And then it was that, so that was a Sunday and that Thursday in the middle of the night, Zoe came in and she like was in tears. She's like, mom and dad, this hurts so bad. So we flipped on the light and the bump had increased like double. I mean, it was like a ginormous bump and it was hard. Like all these things that they were saying we don't want to have happen happened. And so we heard him text this family doctor and he's like, yeah, I'm going to get you into see a specialist today. It's like a disease, pediatric disease specialist or something. Yeah. So we went and saw her that, that day. Um, and she ended up taking the x-ray and, um, yeah, of of her chest. And we were sitting in a room waiting with our daughter and down the hall, we hear, yeah, it doesn't look good. Yeah. That's what I was afraid of. And we're like, Oh no, I think that's our doctor's voice. And pretty, you know, a couple minutes later she enters our room and she's like, yeah, I think you guys need to head down to the hospital. We're thinking there, she's like, there's a big mass in her chest and we're thinking it's likely lymphoma. And so from there we head into the hospital and uh, Zoe ended up staying there for the next, what was it? 27 days. Yeah, it was almost a month. Basically a month. Um, she said there and we had to figure out from there what we were doing. So. Wow. So when you, when you guys got that news, um, when they came in and shared, like how much of that then did they share? Okay, this is what's next. This is what treatment looks like. Like, did you, did they give you a plan or an idea of what the heck you were now walking into? Yeah, it was a little bit <clears throat> confusing. We were there for so long. Like we were, we checked into the ER at like 4.30 PM and like, we still didn't even get checked into a room until like 1.30 that next morning. So it was like that whole time, like they were like wanting to do, was it a CT scan? Yeah. Like a CT scan. We had to make her like a three-year-old drink all this contrast, you know? And, um, and then they, they were just, just like tons of just waiting. I just remember like waiting, 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 and like no answers, no answers. And they're like, well, our blood results actually look okay. So like, it was like really confusing. We're like, what the heck is going on? Um, but then finally at like that, you know, probably midnight, one in the morning, they were like, yeah, it looks like she has lymphoma. We'd be really surprised at this point if it wasn't cancer with how big it is and how fast it seemed to grow. Um, so it's most likely cancer, but we can't um, do a biopsy yet. Um, they were really worried about the size of her tumor. If they did any sort of sedation, it would compress her, like um, her airways would relax and it would compress on her airways and then she would likely, you know, stop breathing and they wouldn't have a way to innovate her and stuff. So it was just this messy thing, but basically they were like, yeah, we think that we're like 99% sure she's got cancer. We don't know what kind for sure yet, some type of lymphoma. 
So if that's the case, it's going to be two and a half years of chemo. And I just remember being like two and a half years. Like I was thinking like months, right? Like, oh, she meant to say months. Um, and so then she was like, oh yeah, well, if she was a boy, it'd be three and a half years. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> like so grateful. <laughs> so like two and a half. So I just remember feeling like it was eternity, but we didn't really know that night, you know, what, what else it would look like. We just knew we were in it for a long time. So how old are your kids? So you have three kids now. How old were, was everybody at this time? Our oldest would have been six. Just barely. Zoe was three, almost four. And then Rebecca was actually only five, five months old. Wow. 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 Yeah. So as you look back to that whole first couple months and, you know, into that first year. And I know that when you hear like two and a half years, it just seems like you're never getting closer to the finish line. What do you remember is like the biggest struggle or the hardest thing for you guys to manage? Um, I think especially in those early moments, it was just trying to navigate how we were going to function. You know, we were all of a sudden going from living under one roof to living under two roofs and there was going to be kids in both roofs. And it was kind of like, how do we like take care of both kids in both areas and still have me work in my career? Um, we were super grateful that Kay was able to work from home during that time. Um, but for me, it, it was that it was finding out how do we, how do we manage to have someone there with Zoe? So she's not alone as a three-year-old in a hospital um, while still managing to have the other kids live their life and us live ours, um, as far as, you know, working and things. And so, um, finding a schedule at work where like, basically I would go from work to the hospital, sleep the night, and then Kaylee would take the kids home to go to bed. And then she'd wake up early in the morning to come replace me in the hospital. And then we'd start all over again and I would go to work and it was just this slow. So figuring that out was definitely a tough situation. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, one of the biggest struggles was just how much unknown there was. We didn't know what the next two and a half years looked like. We didn't know if she was going to make it out of the first couple of weeks. Um, with that big math in her chest, they were afraid she was going to, you know, die as they put her underneath anesthesia to try to take the tumor out. And so there was just so much unknown of like what treatment was going to look like, if she was going to make it. And um, even now, you know, afterwards, you don't know what those effects of the chemotherapy are going to be. So there's just so much unknown with the cancer story that um, I think that was a big struggle at first to accept that, hey, we might not know all the answers and we're just going to have to have faith that things are going to go okay. And to be clear, they weren't taking out the tumor. Correct, yeah. They were biopsying the tumor. Sorry, I probably said that wrong. Yeah. That's so scary to even think that they're worried about even going in to do a biopsy. Like you said, they're not even trying to take it out. They just want to test it to get more information, and they're that worried about it. That must have been so scary. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a hard time. Probably one of the scariest um, parts of that whole cancer journey for us was the time it had probably been a week and a half or two weeks even that they finally felt like the tumor had shrunk enough to be able to sedate her um, fully to be able to put a port in. So for those whole first, you know, week and a half, two weeks, she didn't even have a port. And so it was like, she was getting chemotherapy through her veins. Mm -hmm. um, every blood draw was through her veins and just being this little three-year-old, like it just kept like, I mean, what's the right word? Collapsing, Collapsing the vein. And so she just had like pokes all over her body and it was really that whole thing was traumatic. And so we were grateful. It was finally time to be able to get a port in. So we didn't have to go through that. She didn't have to go through that trauma. Um, 
But then we had to sign like all these waivers and like the doctors had talked to us like, Hey, just so you know, this is still a risk to put her under. Like, you know, she could still die. Like we, it could still be big enough that we can't see all of it, that it could compress our airways. And so like signing these papers, knowing, you know, that there was a chance that it still wasn't safe. And anyway, so that was hard, like walking away, like as they wheeled her away, like that was probably like the hardest time, like in both of our lives ever. So during this time, um, your oldest Oakley, she's about six, um, right about this season. What did she understand about what was going on with her little sister? I don't know if she understood very much. I know she understood that she was sick. Um, I think she, I think we probably weren't super great at, you know, filtering our conversations around her and stuff. Cause it, we were just like in survival and every day was like something new was spun on us. But um, I think she worried that she was going to die. I think we were all worried about that. Um, but I think probably from her six-year-old mind, she thought she had a sickness that just made Zoe a monster <laughs> because when Zoe was in the hospital, um, the, she was in the PICU at the beginning because of her, um, airway restrictions and stuff with the tumor. And so she didn't see her for like three or four days at the beginning. And so by the time Oakley finally came to visit Zoe, after all these days, she'd been on high, high levels of steroids. Um, and so Oakley comes into the hospital room and she's missed her little sister and they're usually best friends. And she like colored all these pictures and she like goes up to her bed and hands it to her. And she's like, Zoe, I've missed you. Um, and she hands her the papers and Oakley or sorry, Zoe just grabs the papers and like throws it off the bed. And she's like, go away. I hate you. And she's like screaming at her. And so. Like, I think Oakley was like, I don't know what this is, but I don't know where my sister went, but she's gone. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, baby Frankenstein. Yeah, I so relate to that story. It does kind of turn them into little monsters. I mean, she's not wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's tough. How did you guys, how did you guys manage? So you start getting into treatment and the and just all the different things that go into treatment. How did you manage everything else in your world, right? Because you've got this whole new thing that you're having to manage, but then how did you manage parenting? How did you manage marriage? How, how did you manage all those different pieces? Oh, man. Well, I don't know if manage is the right word. That kind of gives it a positive connotation, like we were doing something well. <laughs> but we got through it. Um, you know, I think I think we just pretty much went into survival mode. Um, I know I personally buried a lot of emotions. Like, you know, there was a lot of numbing going on. And I think that's probably a human response to just survive something really hard. Um, and so <laughs> I, had had, I ended up having to process all that stuff later. And that was really difficult later. But um, I think just being able to have like the community support, we just had all these people come out of the woodwork, like strangers and um, friends, people we barely knew, you know, on top of family, like we just had this like army of angels surrounding us the whole time. And so that was helpful. Like people offered to do a lot of things for us. Um, but it was difficult. I mean, it was just getting creative with how we did things. I mean, Beckham being five months old, like he was sleeping in Zoe's hospital shower, right. In a pack and play. And I'd have to like bring in this wagon with 
my six-year-old sitting in it with like all these things to do that day. And Beckham was in a baby carrier on the front and I was walking in through the hospital and we just spent the day there. Um, I think we had to definitely lower our standards for ourselves. Like our house got messier, like we got messier. I wasn't showering as much, you know, it was like so many things. We just had to just really just kind of give ourselves that grace of like, we're going through something really tough right now. And so all of our energy and effort went to just trying to keep, you know, our three-year-old alive and I don't know, just get through it, I guess. So I agree. I mean, I, I think like she said at the beginning, I don't know how like well we, we did or didn't do that. Um, it was a hard, hard time for sure as we were making that transition. Um, and looking back like obviously our marriage a little bit went on the back burner and we paid for that you know about a year into it we were kind of like whoa <laughs> there's some stuff here that needs to be taken care of now because we let it go on the back burner so i think like realizing that our priorities had shifted a little bit and then having to shift them back as we kind of got through that initial trauma um was definitely eye-opening as we got through that first year or so of treatment life started to feel a little bit more normal again um, but those initial phases were really hard um, one thing I, I think I can look back now and feel grateful for is that during that time, it was a little bit more, um, I'd say it was, it kind of forced us to be a little bit more present where we were. Like I learned to like show up and be like, okay, I'm with Zoe right now. Like, how can I like help her? How can I like make her feel comfortable? How can I be a better dad right now with her? And then when I was at home, I was kind of like, okay, I don't usually get to see these kids. So like, how can I show up for them? Um, you know, going and trying to like take my older daughter that understood a little more like out on a daddy daughter date um, because I really didn't get to spend a lot of time with her um, during that month. I was either at work or in the hospital most of the time. And so um, trying to, we tried, I guess, to be as present as we could where we were um, and where we were oftentimes was changing and it was kind of all over the place. But I think that was the biggest thing that helped us get through is just that presence um, where we were at the moment. But like I said, I don't think we did a fantastic job. I don't know that we, we have anything to brag about here because we our marriage did struggle and it, it took a hit from from that. Um, and it was a, definitely a challenging time as we tried to make that transition into this new kind of lifestyle and, and our time being divided the way it was. Well, I think you did a great job just to even at the time try to be intentional with your kids and, and be mindful because I, I think it's amazing you even thought of that because you are in kind of survival mode, like you're just reacting, all right, this is what today is, and just kind of bouncing around all over the place. So I think, I think that that right there is good work, guys. That's right. Nicely done. You guys mentioned that you had community support, which is so important, but like where did you, where did you find your comfort? Like how did you like emotionally kind of get through it? Um, yeah, I think that was a kind of a combination of things, really. The community support was huge, honestly. Um, we had so many people that, honestly, a lot of them didn't even know us very well that would reach out to support us with either gifts for the kids or dinner, or we even we had people offer to go spend the night at the hospital so that we could I could have a night at home. Um, so just so many blessings that way that came from the outside world, um, fundraisers and things like that. So that, as far as like support from the outside actually did help us a ton because it helped alleviate the financial stresses it helped alleviate some of the the um time stresses that come along with this and so to me that was like a huge thing and then obviously um the piece that comes from from 
our savior. And that, that was honestly the biggest piece for me. And I, I think we'll go into this a little bit later into the podcast, but um, that honestly was a, a huge thing of being able to have that peace that things were going to work out and um, that we were going to be okay. Um, even though in the moment we were hurting, um, there was an overall sense of, of peace that, that we were going to learn some things that we needed to learn and grow in ways that we needed to grow um, because of this trial. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about your faith because that is a, a part of it. You even mentioned it a little bit earlier um, when we were talking. Talk a little bit more about the role that faith has played in your journey, because um, that's certainly something that uh, some folks, um, faith, uh, when they're going through something like this, they start to question it. With others, they lean more heavily into it. Like, how did how did you guys walk through it? Yeah, um, I'm not going to pretend that I didn't have my angry or bitter moments. You know, there was definitely moments of like, this isn't fair. This shouldn't be happening to us. Like, you know, I actually got really into, um, preventative, like cancer preventative lifestyles and things like that, like years before she'd been diagnosed. And so I, I had a lot of like entitlement feelings, like this shouldn't happen to us, you know, like I worked for this not to happen. And so I definitely felt, um, you know, moments of anger and bitterness and, you know, resentfulness and all of that, that comes with grieving. But, um, I think overall we were for sure able to lean more heavily into, you know, the divine support and help. And I think a big part of that for us was just, um, there were all these things leading up to her cancer diagnosis. Um, that was almost like a roadmap. It was like, when she was diagnosed, we could look back and be like, Oh, this is why all these things led us to where we're at. And it's so just kind of having that faith and knowledge and um, belief that, you know, we've been in God's hands this whole time and that he is protecting us and caring for us. And he's loving us all through this. And just like one example is um, we had actually felt prompted a couple years earlier to move up to. Um, so we were living in Utah we felt prompted to move up to Idaho. And at first I was like, this is, this is crazy. I don't want to live here. Like, you know, why would we move away from family and all these things? But we ended up loving it so much up there. Everything like every day there for me just felt like reassurance that we were where we were supposed to be. Cause I was so happy. Like there were so many things that were going right and awesome and amazing. Um, and so about a year and a half of living in Idaho, um, Jason got a job offer back down in Utah um, where we're from and just like, he wasn't applying or anything. And I was like, well, we're not doing that. We're staying here. We're happy here. But just over time, like we felt more and more prompting um, and more strongly that this is, this was God's plan for us to move back. And I didn't understand it. I didn't like it, but you know, we moved forward with faith knowing that we were supposed to, for some reason, um, and so after we moved down, uh, we built a home and it was just within, you know, six, six months of finishing our home that she was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, so the hospital that she was treated at is the exact same hospital that she would have had to be treated at, even if we were living in Idaho. So we got to be 30 minutes away instead of like four, four and a half hours away. And we were surrounded by our family, you know, and so much support people who knew us from childhood, you know, so we had just so much support. And so that was probably the most obvious sign to us of like, Hey, like it's going to be okay because whatever happens, it's a part of his plan and he's taking care of us. That's awesome. I love it. That. that had to be so reassuring to be able to look back and see all those, 
all those small steps that you never you never understand at the time. But mm-hmm. so Zoe is now off treatment, correct? And how far off treatment is she? Uh, let's see, she finished last May. So what is that? Ten months? Yeah, yeah about Nine, ten months. Ten months. So just tell us a little bit how that's going. How does that feel to like kind of be done? And what are some of the emotions that come along with that? Oh, man, I think going through treatment, I was like, okay, we just got to get to that finish line, the two and a half year mark. And then, you know, as long as she's still alive, and like, we're all alive, it's going to be great like that. We just got to make it there. Um, And then we made it there. And then honestly, it was actually more anxiety producing. It was like, oh my gosh, what if chemotherapy was the only thing keeping her cancer at bay? And, you know, what if she develops these other things? And so it was actually like more anxious for me um, to kind of approach that. So just trying to be like open with that and processing the emotions that came with that instead of judging them like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. You know, like we should be grateful. Like tons of therapy also, obviously (laughs) we took, we went through a lot of trauma therapy and that helped a lot, but Um, but I feel like now that it's, you know, we're approaching a year off, um, in a few months, it's, it's getting a little bit better. It's getting a little bit easier to believe, you know, that, that she might be okay long-term. And even if she wasn't, I think just having that faith of like, whatever happens is meant to happen and we're going to have support through it and learn the things that we need to learn. I always think that that first year off treatment should just be another phase of treatment. Like they should name it. You know, you have all these different phases to get through. It shouldn't just be off treatment because it's it's not like the next day you're everything's fine and you're all good. I feel like that first year should have a name. We should come up with something and we should tell the other moms and dads because I think you do. You're waiting for this big party and celebration and everyone around you is celebrating and it is something to celebrate. But again, the next day you're like, oh, so we're not giving the medicine. So what does that look like? Right. And I think it's just that anxiety too of like, oh my gosh, she's not feeling well. Oh, she's complaining about her legs hurting. Oh, she's like coughing. Like all of these things look like cancer, right? It's like all of those cancer bells like ring every time they're having normal kid stuff, you know? So that's, that's not awesome either. Right. It's definitely a transition. So as you guys look back and for the folks that are listening and, uh, and you can think through on just your journey, what's something that you can share that, um, that maybe you would tell parents that are, uh, that are going through it, they're in the middle of it, or maybe they're just getting started that you guys have learned or experienced through it. That's going to help them along their journey. Um, for me, I think it would just be to, to look for God's hand in that journey. Um, we had so many experiences where we were blessed to see that. Um, and that helped us on a daily basis because um, kind of like Kaylee was saying earlier, that because we saw God's hand in this journey, it was easy to kind of have that faith of like, okay, this stinks, but he's watching out for us and he knows what's happening. Um, which made the burden feel a little bit less heavy because we knew that whatever that answer was, it was going to be okay. And it was going to work out the way it was supposed to. And so, I mean, there were so many times and I I mean, maybe I'll just share a couple with you of like times that we saw that and how it helped alleviate us. Um, I think one of those was very early on in that beginning when there was that tumor in her chest. Um, I remember walking away from, the doctor's coming to say she's likely going to die if we put her under and we need to look at this and all this drama and stress. 
And so I walked down to the restroom feeling super overwhelmed and down um, because up to that point, I mean, this kid's three years old. I, I felt like I could handle her problems at that point, right? Like I can take care of three-year-old problems and scratches and boo-boos that were the typical problems of, of that age. Um, but all of a sudden I felt completely helpless. Um, and that of being a father was miserable. It was a lot of fun feeling like, I don't know how to help my daughter. In fact, I, I literally don't think I can. And um, to then right after that thought came across my mind, the thought of you're right, you can't, but there's someone that can, um, that came to my mind. And I went back to that thought over and over and over again throughout the, last, the next two and a half years of like, okay, this is another situation where I don't know what to do. I'm putting it in your hands again um, because I need your help right now. Um, and every time he answered for us, um, there was um, in her port about, what was it, six months before the end of treatment? She was started having like, they would do the saline to like, get the port ready. And she would like scream out in pain. She's like, ah, that hurts my neck. It hurts my neck. It hurts my neck. And like, she would be in tears. And they're like, well, that was weird, but it went in. So I think we're okay. And so they would go on with the treatment and they were giving her vincristine, which I don't know if you guys know much about that one, but it's one that they know will like eat tissue. Like it's very dangerous if it touches tissue. And so we're like, okay, well, so I put it in and it was fine. The next month would come and the exact same thing would happen. Saline, it was burning her, it was hurting her neck. It would go away during treatment. And the next time, this went on for like three or four months in a row. Finally, one time I went to do the saline and it just like didn't work at all. Like just stopped. And so like, okay, well, I guess we need to figure out what's going on with that. So they go in and there's a ginormous hole in the port, you guys, like the, the tube had this huge yeah. hole. And somehow the vincristine wasn't getting out, but the saline was. And we're like, we know for a fact that she was being protected by our heavenly father. He was watching out for her. And so there were so many things like that um, in this journey that just blessed us with an ability to find peace in the journey. Um, people that don't have that faith in Christ, I don't know how they do it, honestly, because that's what got me through all these times that we were like, oh my heck, we could have easily lost our daughter right there. Um, but the whole way through, we just saw that God was watching out for her. He knew what Zoe needed. He knew how to protect her. And, and he did a heck of a lot better job than I ever could have imagined that I would have done, right, as a human being. Um, and so my gratitude is to my Savior, um, because I know that he truly did save our daughter several times during this journey. Um, there are other stories that we could share with you, but those are a couple that really stood out to me of just those times when I saw that he was there um, helping um, and so that would, I guess, be my recommendation is like, find, find those moments where you can see his hand and then keep turning it back to him, give him the ability to like guide the journey. Because as we do that and we just have faith in what his plan is for ourselves, as well as for our children that are going through these hard times, um, the journey just becomes lighter and it becomes easier. No, I love that. I think that's great because in the middle of such a hard and dark season, we've got to look for um, what what are the good things? Where are the blessings? Because they're there. Um, and so I love, thank you for sharing that. That's um, that's super powerful. That's crazy that that with the, the hole in the port that only the saline yeah. 
that's uh that's yeah that is a that's a god thing so absolute miracle yeah well hey you guys thank you so much for jumping on with us and sharing some of your story and and inviting us in to hear about your family and just everything that you guys have been working through these last couple years we're so excited for where you're at today that um she's in a great place and you guys are figuring out this new season and so um yeah we're really grateful for you so thanks for jumping on and sharing with us you're welcome thanks for having us Hey, we told you they were special. So I'm so grateful they took time um, today to chat with us and kind of tell us their story. It makes me even more excited for our spring break retreats um, and getting to know more people like the Googlers. We serve the greatest families. Christy, we really do. We we get to serve some of the most amazing families. Um, so, hey, you guys, if, if you find these conversations super helpful and encouraging, we'd love for you to go out, um, give us a rate and review wherever it is that you guys are listening, and also share this podcast with your family and friends. The more listeners we have, the more listeners we get. That means more people can be encouraged by all these different families and their stories and ultimately the hope in God that we want to be able to share. Yeah, so tune in next week for another great conversation, and we will see you then. 